Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Michael Benjamin and VSP Tallman. How you guys doing? What up? What up? I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling bad. It just all depends on what team you're talking about. But for right now, Chris, because you're asking, I'm feeling great. Tallman, how you doing, man? Dude, I am jacked up, guys. All right? Can't wait. wait for this playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs! Playoffs? Playoffs. I feel like I'm going to puke from pizza, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> we just shoveled a massive amount of Barrows pizza and wings in our mouths, so bear with us here if we're a little sluggish to start. <laughs> but, guys, we got a lot to talk about. We got the Suns playoff run coming up. They're starting the first round against the Los Angeles Clippers. We got home court advantage for this series, and I'm looking forward to it. Got a lot going on with the Cardinals. For an offseason, man... Got a lot to talk about. It seems like the NFL is a year-round cycle now, so I'm sure uh, hopefully we won't yell at Tallman too much this time uh, like we had Come to on. last month. Uh, as you know, this is our April recording. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, April 15th here in the Valley Sports Plug Studios. Going to try and have this out to you in the next couple days. By the time you're listening, you'll know what's good. But make sure you're following us on all the social medias at AZ underscore VSP for Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And of course, Valley Sports Plug on YouTube and Facebook. Just go ahead and uh, type in Valley Sports Plug in that uh, Google machine and you'll find us. Absolutely. Um, you know, first and foremost, I have to apologize for not having clever uh, titles and nicknames for you guys this go around. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I, okay. I dropped. That's I realized fine. as we were launching, but that's fine. That's fine. I'll give you guys a break. I the mean, pizza destroyer Tallman. That's right. That's right. The Barrows pizza delivery boy. That could be too real. People might think that's legit. Not 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 that there's a problem with being a Barrows pizza are, delivery. Are you saying I deliver pizza? <laughs> Hopefully you don't deliver okay. pizza during this podcast. You can call me Mr. Garlic Parmesan Benjamin <laughs> hey, from now on. How go. about there that? There we go. Like the wing destroyer. All right. So let's go ahead. Let's get right into it with the Suns playoffs. Like I said, they're matching up with the Clippers here in the first round. They're going to play tomorrow, Sunday the 16th at 5 p.m. Arizona time. And they're going up against Kawhi and Russell Westbrook. And maybe Paul George. We'll have to see. But just putting these feelers out there, Mike, I'll pass it over to you first. How are you feeling about this first-round matchup? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling super excited, man. Every time that you get to be in the playoffs, you're a little bit jittery to start, but you just got to get that action going to get all those nerves out of the way and just start playing basketball, especially what this team has done with Kevin Durant in the eight games that he's played. Perfect 8-0 record. you got to be excited about that. Sounds like Bismarck Biombo is ready to go as well. I think they came out and did say that campaign is questionable with the lower that. back injury. But I wouldn't be surprised if he finds some minutes in there as well and they slow roll him back into it. But this is what we're all here for, right? There's so many ebbs and flows that go into an NBA season. Different injuries, different, you know, different pieces being traded away, different rotations. And by the time that the playoffs roll around, you really get to see what your team is made of. So my my new favorite saying, what was my old one, Tallman? You got to remind me on the old one. I feel like you always remembered what it was. 
Spring chicken? No, it's spring chicken. Was it spring? No, was that it was, what it was? He's no spring I chicken. I don't know. It was he's no, no spring, spring chicken, chicken, but for the Cardinals, it was not too high, not too low. Not yeah, too high, okay. not too low to right, start right. for sure. Yep. That ended probably week six. <laughs> we were real low on the Cardinals by the end of that season. But my new one right now is I'm chomping at the bit, baby. I can't hey, wait. Chomp. Tomorrow can't come soon enough. I'm so excited. I love playoff basketball because you see throughout the season a lot of players resting, maybe some load management stuff, you know, this and that where they're not playing for various reasons. But in the playoffs, a lot of these guys will suck it up and play through injuries. I mean, even with Kevin Durant, we saw when he rolled his ankle, had the playoffs started the next day, he would have been playing. And so that's the type of shit you want to see. Mike, I like you pointed out him 8-0 when he's wearing a Suns uniform and, and playing in games. So carrying that momentum, Tallman, you had a stat, though, about KD's playoff uh, history, recent playoff history, right? His last six playoff games, he's 0-6. Because last year, the Nets got swept. That's right. And he had that and then, infamous uh, play where he he, his toe was on the line yep, with the three-pointer. The game right? of inches, yep. That was it. Now, that, to, to give him a little bit of leniency, that was a tough matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks that they got bounced out in. I think it was a seven-game series, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, in 2021, when the Bucks found their way to the NBA Finals. I mean, last year, and Boston Celtics ended up in the Finals as well. So you can kind of add an asterisk right there. Durant definitely didn't have as much firepower when he was with the Brooklyn Nets, so you're talking about a whole different thing. But you can go back to some of the same conversations that we had as well where I am excited and optimistic about the situation, Kevin Durant in the lineup is 8-0. But it's still a lot of unknowns because that's a short sample size. But I'm sticking with the positives right now, and I just can't wait anymore. I, I agree with you, Mike. I'll steal your line. I'm chomping at the bit to see what this Suns team can do. And adding Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is just a whole nother layer to what was already a pretty good Suns team. I mean, obviously losing... Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges to get Kevin Durant, but I think it. We've talked about it. It's gonna it's gonna pay off from from my seat. I mean, Tallman, what do you think, and how how much of an impact do you think KD is really gonna have? Well, I think his zero and six record in his last six game playoff games is gonna be broken tomorrow night. Um, I think he's gonna have an incredible impact on the team. I mean, looking at that zero and six, it's a different team, different opponents. I mean, it's I have the utmost confidence in this team. And uh, I think I think there's going to be some blowouts in our future here against the Clippers. Um, bold, bold. I would, I would like to see them make a statement. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's only played all of like 45 games or something and only probably 60 in the last three years or something. I'm making up these stats right now. But <laughs> that's all to say that Kawhi Leonard is the most notorious non-player player I don't how, how am I trying to say this right now because he the load management king um MVP of load management like he he literally does not play that much but he's incredible he's a f- former MVP of the league I'm pretty sure he was finals MVP with Toronto if not also with Sacramento uh, oh he never played oh not Sacramento, Sacramento uh, San Antonio excuse me <laughs> excuse me gotta get my uh gotta get my cities right um But yeah, no, so Kawhi is no one to sleep on is my point I'm making. And Russ is starting to come back into his own in this new team as he struggled with the Lakers, obviously. But now with the Clippers, it seems like Ty Lue is putting him in the right spots in the right rotation. And he's not going to be playing to start the season, but adding Paul George on top of all that 
is is going to be another added layer to it and mike as you and i were talking about on past the outlet the clippers have a pretty decent bench right yeah i really like the pieces that they picked up at the trade deadline you're talking about eric gordon mason plumley has had you know some key contributions as that secondary big and Bones Highland. I mean, as long as these guys aren't fighting each other on the bench, you know, and, get, and are getting along, they're a solid unit. They have plenty of experience and plenty of guys who can show young guys like Bones Highland the right way. And man, Russell Westbrook, he's just bounced around team to team the past couple of years. And for his sake, it is good to see him find some good footing somewhere because he just has unlimited energy still i know he's getting up there he's a super veteran at this point you could say in this league but for him to he might be their second option right now with paul george out with the injury you know he's gonna have to have a decent series for them if they want to push this thing to the brink or possibly win against the phoenix suns so kudos to him but not too many not too much not too much not too much well yeah and it's, I think much. it's important to note that the Suns are the four seed, the Clippers are the five seed, so we will have home court advantage in this series, which I think is going to be huge because potentially looking forward and ahead to if we win this series against the Clippers, we're likely to have to take on the Denver Nuggets again. And it's almost funny, isn't that like a similar path that we took in 2021 where first round was against the Clippers, second round was against the Nuggets? Am I No, it was, La- it was Lakers, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers. Nuggets, Clippers. Okay. Yeah. So same teams, different order. Exactly. Um, and that's even more funny because if somehow the Lakers managed to pull it out in that bottom portion of the bracket and make it to the Western Conference Finals, that's a team we could potentially be looking at. But that's a lot of ifs because the Lakers, um, ah, fuck, I should have wrote this down, but who are they taking on in their first round matchup? The, the Memphis Grizzlies, I think? Yeah, so that's a steep hill to climb for them. Uh, we'll just have to see. Really, I'm, I made some notes here. The NBA conference semifinals will start May first or second, possibly the the end of April, depending on how the first round of series goes. And then the NBA conference finals will start May sixteenth or seventeenth, or potentially the fourteenth and fifteenth again, depending on how the series goes. So. We have a lot of time between now and the next time we record one of these Heat Check podcasts to where we'll either be talking about how the Suns' playoff run came to a disappointing end or how we'll be gearing up for an NBA Finals appearance. It's really hard to say at this point which direction it'll go. I think we're all optimistic that we're in it to win it and making a conference run and a finals run. And if you had to guess, like just right now looking at it, Mike, I'll pass it to you first, like... How how confident are you that the Suns can make a finals push this this postseason? Very confident. And as a Suns fan, I mean, honestly, all of us should be in the same boat. Adding a top 15, possibly, all-time player in Kevin Durant. Obviously, we talk about health as long as people are available and ready to play. This squad, man, within their small sample size, has really been able to fit together And these leaders on the team, you know, Chris Paul is always in Devin Booker's ear. Kevin Durant has started to take DeAndre Ayton under his wing as well. And they're just moving the ship in the right direction. It's going to come down to, I honestly feel like it's going to come down to that second round series. More than likely against the Denver Nuggets. Because if you truly think about the matchups that these teams have had this year, it's almost been non-existent. Because the times that we went to Denver early on in the season, we were missing Devin Booker. 
if you guys remember, he had missed a little bit of time. And in that uh, first game in Denver, I believe, he played five minutes and re-aggravated his injury. And that's when he ended up missing about a month with his groin situation. I think DA was out some of those times as well. And then the past two meetings that we went up against the Denver Nuggets at the end of the season, they sat everybody. I mean, like literally everybody. All of their starting lineup almost. Crazy. So it's a lot of unknown with them. But you could almost look at that series where it's if the winner, whoever comes out of that one, could make it to the NBA Finals because I think those are the two power horses in this conference right now. There's just still too much unknown with the Kings' inexperience, first time going to the playoffs in 17 years, the Warriors bringing back Andrew Wiggins. I mean, we can talk about it right now. What a game tonight. That's yeah. going to be a dogfight of a series. I still think that's kind of the same thing with the Memphis Grizzlies. There's a little bit of inexperience there, and then you just don't know what you're going to get from the Los Angeles Lakers right now with a lot of their guys being injury-prone and Anthony Davis and now LeBron James, and he's starting to get a little bit older and, like we were talking on past the outlet, has been making some odd decisions passing the basketball. I know he pulls it out at the end, but how long can you get away with that kind of stuff? So that's the matchup that I'm looking at. But as everybody always says, you can't go too far from what's right in front of you. So we got to focus on the Clippers and getting through this one first. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that might have been a little bit of what happened last year is we were projecting. To, I don't know about the team, but as a fan, I was projecting too far into the future of that playoff run to where I I thought or in I'll say I knew but obviously I didn't know that we were going to be able to handle the Mavericks and we'd pull that series out and the next thing you know we're in we have a game seven coming up and as I'm sitting there in Las Vegas watching it at a shitty casino bar we're down by (laughs) double digits I think 20 30 maybe even 40 points by halftime just getting absolutely blown out by the Mavericks but you see how things change I mean the Mavericks aren't even in the playoffs this season and I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. Everyone knows that they got fined seven hundred fifty thousand k by the league. I think they should have been disqualified from the draft lottery for the egregious crime of holding their starters out of a game that could have decided their fate in making the playoffs. But clearly, they didn't think that they had the capacity to make a deep playoff rush run. And it's funny because I said I wasn't going to talk about it, and then I went on and talked about it. But Tallman, back on the Suns, man. So. Mike is confident that we can make a finals push. I'm pretty confident. How are you how are you feeling right now from your seat? Incredible, man. I mean, Mike said top 15 adding a top 15 player of all time. I think we added the best basketball player in the world right now. Arguably, he's probably the best basketball player in the world. And I won't that's, fight that. Yeah, that's it's that's crazy. So, I mean, it's I I like the I like the chances here. I like the way that they're they chose this series with the Clippers. And what I mean by that is if they won that last game of the season where they sat all the starters against the Clippers yeah, and we only lost by, I think, f- four points. We almost accidentally yeah, won we almost that accidentally game. Yeah. Won it. yeah, so if we win that last game, then our, our, uh, our first series is against the Golden State Warriors. So they chose this path. Uh, I think the Paul George injury is, is great for us. So we're going we're gonna to whoop some ass here. We're going to win in five. We're gonna go four okay. and one. I, that's, that's my. I don't know if we're gonna do our. Uh, no, let's roll into that. Here. Yeah, yeah. What's um, your prediction? Yeah. But four and one. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna win the first two at home. We're gonna steal one in L.A. and then we're gonna close it out at home. So, 
um, we're going to build our confidence in this first series. The Nuggets don't scare me. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, yeah, it's a different team. They have Jamal Murray back, and that, that dude can ball. He, he definitely can. But at the same time, it's like just with the Suns' offensive firepower, you, I, there, there's, there, I, there's not a team in the West right now that I'm afraid of that can beat the Suns in seven games. So you're saying the Suns are fine in the West? Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. no. Come on, Taylor Rooks. <laughs> Calm down. I, no, I, I, I swear. I, I don't think any of those teams can beat us. Mike, do you, you share think, that same sentiment? Do you think though? the like, Grizzlies can beat us? Do you think in the a Warriors series? can beat us in seven? In a series, I like the Suns' chances against, against all any of, of these teams. Yeah. I like the Suns' chances against any of these it's, teams. It's but... the Bucks. it's the, Celt- the Celtics, it's the fucking Sixers. The Sixers aren't going to make it, though. But seven-game series are just so different, right? It comes down to who makes the proper adjustments as games goes on. And let's be honest with ourselves, guys. Last year, Monty Williams struggled to make Make adjustments adjustments, on a consistent basis. So until he proves that he can do that, that's what we're still kind of focused on and thinking about in the back of our mind, especially as a basketball fan watching these games go on and go forth. And it's also, you know, football is the game of inches, but it can come to basketball too. Like the ball can bounce out the wrong way or tip off one guy this wrong way. We talk about the guy who's on our team right now. If Kevin Durant is wearing a size 15 shoe instead of a size 16, they're going to the NBA Finals. You know, like those are just the differences that come when you play one team over a consistent amount of time. So I'm never going to count anybody out. And the Suns still have to prove it to me because they made it to the NBA Finals, but after taking a 2-0 lead, they fell flat and they haven't been able to get there since. I know it's a small sample size. I keep going back to it. It's only been two years since then. But you're also talking about a Denver Nuggets team that didn't have Jamal Murray at that time. I'm not trying to make excuses, but they've loaded up as well. They brought on a killer that worked the Suns within the Western Conference Finals. Granted, we did beat them in Reggie Jackson, Mm-hmm. who was on the Clippers, has he's, has now gone to the Nuggets. I like what Contavious Caldwell-Pope yeah. has brought to them as Porter well. Porter Jr. is good. I mean, is Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. going to be healthy enough? I think for I, them, a lot of it is just health. But I, I'm not saying Suns and four, Mike. I'm, no, I'm not and, saying that. And my goodness, if anybody's saying we, Suns and four, turn the TV off or yeah, make sure you're not no, at the game because we're happening. beyond that anymore. No. The Suns need to ban that guy that was counting hundreds from entering the arena. <laughs> That's a big one that I see a lot. Dude, I don't think he's, I don't think he's surfaced at all <sighs> recently. Wherever he is, he needs to be careful. Because if I catch him on the street, I'm going to give him an earful. Yeah. So the guy counting the hundreds. But are you guys still a fan of the Sons of Four guy? Yeah, yeah. I I bought the shirt, man. <laughs> you going to bring it out this playoff season? I don't. I no. I don't blame him. I mean, um, obviously that interaction was in the heat of the moment. I'm pretty sure that Nuggets fan was heck. Was it was he heckling him or was it actually it a physical was, altercation? Dude, are you talking about the Sons of Four guy? Yeah. No, he got a drink poured on him. That's right. That's and it was, it was it was two Nuggets fans. He beat the shit out of two. Well, not beat the shit out, but you know what I mean. But they were throwing blows. It was, it right? was yeah, it was two of them. Yeah. No, that is that's just a beautiful pop culture moment for the Phoenix Suns. I'm not going to try and take anything away from him, but it's in the past. I'm like, I'm just saying you can't bring it back now. You know that can't be your focus or your chant or the way that you are trying to perceive things if you win a game or two. 
right? Series don't really start to turn trends until somebody wins on the road. So as long as you take care of business in these first two games against the Los Angeles Clippers, you got to go to L.A. and win one of those. And then we start to talk about when these series will actually close out. Because, like I said, until somebody actually wins away from their home, it's still the same game. Because in the playoffs, I mean, you've been seeing it here in Sacramento, even in these play-in games. Miami's fan base was rocking last night granted they didn't have people to start the game did you guys see some of those photos of like of the after halftime or like when the game started it was almost half empty oh no i did not see that i they, yeah i didn't catch that i mean miami's a different place people are just out right partying and handling their own business but playoff atmospheres are so different and as long as teams can stay focused and not get rattled through that and win a game on the road that's when series start to turn trends i agree no i i agree with everything you're saying and just to go back to to tallman um what you said a bit ago about kevin durant being maybe the best player in the world right now i want to just put the asterisks on there and it, tell me if it's fair or not but i i wrote it down the asterisk is when healthy because he's shown, I whether it's fair or not, whether you want to call it injury prone or fragile or what have you, he like that ankle roll was just absolutely ridiculous. That was in warm up. So if he's able to be injured in a game, like that's that's concerning. And and when you talk about the Suns as a whole, Devin Booker always has a at least one back injury or lower leg injury per season. And it's been a story, especially in the Suns making the playoffs the past couple of years, of our guys getting banged up. Chris Paul is no spring chicken, Michael Benjamin. So that's another guy. They've been doing a good job of keeping him healthy, keeping him on, on ice for this very moment. But the postseason is a whole nother beast where you could be looking at, what, 28 games potentially on top of an already 82-game season you played. So there's a lot of basketball potentially still left to be played where these guys could get banged up. They could get injured. And Cody, how do you think the Suns team will be able to sustain itself should one of these big stars go down? If we lose Devin Booker for a few games, if we lose Kevin Durant for a series, will we be able to to weather the storm and still be able to push forward or is it really contingent on this the player health as i'm saying no it's it relies heavily on player health when th- this team is built so top heavy where that your your top 4 are so important to the team if if we lose i mean if we lose da or uh chris paul we might be able to pull it off um if durant goes down booker goes down i think it's going to crash and burn it's going to be terrible um, because that's what happens when you build a team that is so top heavy. You're not really relying on the depth of the team. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Because they're gonna they're gonna uh, cycle out these guys where you know every all 48 minutes of the game you're gonna have one of your stars on the on the court, right? So if if we lose Booker, if we lose Durant, I think it crashes and burns. I, I don't know what what you think, Mike. Unfortunately, I feel like I would be in the same boat as you, Tallman. Those two guys are the extreme catalyst for this team. I think it would just depend on if it were to be playoff ending injuries. Yeah, then you're going to have an extreme uphill battle because I think the biggest part of what we've seen with this Phoenix Suns team to end this season, especially after the trade deadline, is the pieces that we've brought in have still been inconsistent. 
you know, Terrence Ross. I know, Chris, we were talking on plenty of recaps. Love a 30-point outburst, but then has a five-game stretch of not scoring the basketball. Right. You know, TJ Warren hasn't played the last week and a half, two weeks of this season with an illness. And some of our bench pieces are just still too inconsistent and too much of unknowns. You know, and now campaign is going into the playoffs injured as well. Is he going to be able to bring that similar type of energy that he did in the 2020, in the 2021 play, the 2020, 2020, 2020, in the 2021 playoff run, you know, where he was such a big part of that start to the Clippers Western Conference finals run when Chris Paul was out because of COVID. You know, he stepped up so big and he continued that push. Obviously, it didn't really translate completely over to the NBA finals, but he was able to get us over that hump to the mountaintop of being in the in the final dance, I guess you could say. Like, I, I just don't have enough of a sample size from those guys to truly be trustworthy of them if one of the big stars were to go down for a series or multiple series or be out for the entire playoffs well right these guys they're good complementary pieces when when they're firing on all cylinders and I'm glad you mentioned Terrence Ross because yeah you're right we did talk about him a lot in in these recaps and even off of the air where yeah he, he can have 30 points in a loss and that's that's cool for your stats but at the same time you look at his plus minus and it's usually negative where he's not better than his replacement. We're not doing as good with Terrence Ross on the court. And that goes back to an even bigger conversation of when we brought him over here, what we bought him out from Orlando, we didn't have to trade him, right? They, they bought him out and then we signed him. Yeah. He was bought out and then we signed him because right. he was supposed to go to the Mavericks, but we were able to kind of twist his arm and get him over here. That's right. So then it, it goes to, again, a broader conversation of Monty Williams, his ability to coach and his rotations. Is he going to be okay with if Terrence Ross isn't carrying his weight, being having that tough conversation of, yeah, I know you were made promises when we signed you, but now it's the playoffs and we have to win games. So you're not going to get minutes if you're not producing. I think that's been a constant narrative with Monty where we talk about him tr- quote unquote trusting his guys. And from, from where I'm sitting, I just hope that he's learned from those past mistakes of it's not, I maybe next man up isn't the right word, but you got to stick with the hot hand. You got to trust your guys that are playing well. And we talk about the Clippers having a deep bench, but on paper you look at the Suns roster and they're supposed to have a deep bench too. And you just can't have an outing like, we saw from, thank God he's not on the team anymore, but Jay Crowder last year where he threw up like I think 0 of 8 or 1 of 9 from the three-point line in one of our playoff games. You can't have guys performing like that. And if you see in the first half that it's not going well, you limit their minutes and you adjust accordingly. Um, You don't play Abdul Nader when he hasn't played all season long. Again, thank God he's not on the team anymore. But I just hope that Monty has the the wherewithal and the knowledge of experience to be able to make those adjustments and trust the pieces that he has in front of him. And to echo your sentiments, I feel like Monty has kind of started to turn that corner and we could see it after the trade deadline in the way that he was working these rotations and trying to find the best fits, adjusting. I mean, towards the latter half of this Second half of the season, he started to go towards Bismarck Biombo, a little bit away from Jock Landell. 
started to give Ish Wright a little bit more minutes because of his bitter, of his bigger body, and his ability to play defense on some of those higher higher profile guys. You know what I'm saying? Like Ish Wainwright get might get ten to twelve minutes in this series, trying to shut down Kawhi Leonard as best as he can and body him. I think when we were looking over that one play with Kawhi Leonard, he, <laughs> poor Saban Lee had no shot with just he tried two, his hardest, you know, man. Two dribbles, shoulder drive into him, and Kawhi gets right into his shot. You know, Ish Wainwright isn't going to be that kind of guy who's going to be able to push it over like that. So he has started to look to make those rotation switches, but you got to have some kind of solidification going into the playoffs and some kind of semblance of what your playoff rotation is going to be. Because as much as we've talked about this going into the playoffs and we love having a deep bench and that kind of stuff, you're relying on your big player guys, right? You're relying on your superstars and you start to shorten everything down to an eight to nine man rotation. So you got to trust everybody who's on the floor at the end of the day. And I love my team and I love I love what we've gone through the past couple of years all together within growth, learning experiences, and I'm going to put trust in Monty Williams to make the right decisions here on this playoff run. I, I agree with you, man. I-, I-, I have no reason to not trust him at this point. He's been the captain of the ship and has gotten us to this point. And we had the great record last season. We saw where that got us. So I like the approach this year of not putting so much emphasis on winning games in the regular season, just positioning ourselves to be competitive and be in a good spot for the playoffs. And whether that was by design or coincidence, I think it's going to work well for us. Like I mentioned, Chris Paul being well-rested and ready to go. And honestly, to add to that, having Kevin Durant now where he's the number one guy that they got to put attention on, Devin Booker is the number two guy they have to put attention on, it should only open up the floor for Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and these whoever's in the fifth spot and beyond where Chris Paul is knocking down a lot more threes than I have ever seen him knock down in a son's uniform. And I think my brother was telling me that that was kind of part of their game plan this last week in practice was having Chris Paul put up a lot of three pointers, getting ready for those open opportunities. Again, we saw that on past the outlet during uh, the outlet point guard where Bismack got the the high high post pass, beautiful pass from Devin Booker. He faked it to the corner to Torrey Craig, which drew the defense, which opened Chris Paul up for a wide open shot at the top of the key. Shameless plug. Go ahead and watch that on YouTube. It's up right now. You can watch that playback. But we're going to keep talking about the Suns on these live streams. And, and I know we kind of went long on this topic, but Tallman, before we quit talking about the Suns here for this episode I gotta ask you who do you think is going to be your key player for this series against the Clippers I'm gonna piggyback on what you said Chris Paul is my key player um I I'm not going to repeat it but like you said that was he's going to get a lot of open looks uh, Durant Booker going to get a ton of attention it's going to be a lot of catch and shoot opportunities for Chris Paul and if he hits those those open shots, man, I think we're going to have a really, really good time watching this basketball team play. Um, honorable mention, though, to Josh Akogi, who you guys know is going to be the fifth guy going in, right? You know, he's well, he's he's our he's our defense guy, yeah. right? They're playing him. He's our Mikel Bridges right now, but he can't score on offense. So um, 
I think, well, okay, he he can kind of score on yeah, offense. Yeah, he's had some yeah, outbursts, but, but is his consistency there on the offensive end? No, it's, end? it's, it's yeah, not. It's not. You're but, right. But he's going to have, talk about another guy that's going to have a lot of open looks probably. He's going to be in the corner. Can he hit those open corner threes that he's probably going to get? So those are my my two guys right there. He And uh, that's a great call out. The Akogi has shown the ability to knock down those corner threes in bunches, but he's also shown that he, if he's an off night, will brick that three repeatedly. So <laughs> not going to ride him too much on that. But Mike, same question to you. Who's a key player for this matchup against the Clippers? The key player that I'm looking at is our big guy, DeAndre Ayton. I need to see what kind of energy he comes out with right out of the gates for this series. Is he going to set a dominant presence and stick by his nickname, Dominating? For as much flack that we've given the guy, you also have to look at the stats that he has put up. You know, he's averaged over the past five seasons, 18 and 10. He's averaged a double-double basically to start his career. But we just know that there's so much more that he can give. And I want to see it on the defensive end to start because that's where he's going to have to be a catalyst for this team. And is he going to take advantage of all the open looks that he's going to be able to get from all the action being looked at with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul? That's the guy that I'm just always looking at. But that also might just be me because as a big man who plays big, you know, we're always kind of looking at the high profile athletes, trying to study their footwork, trying to study the ways that they are successful and try to emulate that. But. I need it, man. And I need it early this year because he's going to be a pivotal force to push this team to an NBA Finals. And that's just the damn truth. Yeah. Can he be 2021 Aiden, playoff Aiden? He was a big reason why they uh, they had that uh, Finals push in 2021. He was incredible. And then disappeared in the finals. When, well, yeah. Because he couldn't cover Giannis, right? Like, Oh, he is no match yeah, for Giannis. You're talking about the superhuman he is Giannis, no, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is yeah. no. No. But he made he made light work of Jokic, man. I don't know what it is, but he he can play against Jokic. I, I think I think for his credit, Aiton's conditioning is a lot better than Jokic, uh, and that's what I think we have the advantage on over the Nuggets is that Jokic is just he's a big dude, and he has shed a lot of weight since coming into the league, uh, and I know he gets you know a lot of um, flack or whatever you call it for being soft, but no, you get, that's a great call out guys. And I was going to agree in, in, if I had to pick a key player, I was going to pick Aiton. but oh, my bad, Chris, <laughs> you're good. You're good. We didn't talk about this beforehand. So I, I quickly pivoted and I think for my money, aside from those two guys that you named, which I totally agree with Devin Booker is going to be a key player in this matchup. Cause like we said, he's the number two option now behind Kevin Durant. And how is he going to manage that? Is he going to continue to try and do this ISO one-on-one ball taking high, high post fadeaways when he doesn't have to, or is he really going to pick his shots and take these smart opportunities and be willing to give it up? Cause when he does that, I think it helps this team tremendously. And yeah, it might not always show up on the stat sheet for him. Like he might want to put up 20, 30 points a game, but is he willing to do what it takes to get the win, not necessarily what it takes to get the stats? And I'm not accusing Booker of being a stat chaser or a guy that really cares about the numbers, but I look at his shot selection sometimes and it leaves me scratching my head. So that's 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 a lot to chew on, guys. So let us know if there's a comment section. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know what you think, who, who might be a key player outside of who we named, or if you agree with the three key players we named. But yeah, man, we got the Clippers in this first round. We might have the Timberwolves or Nuggets if we can get out of this first round. And then from there, 
it's hard to say, man. It's it's an interesting matchup with four California teams in the in the Kings, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Lakers all in the playoffs. Of course, the Memphis Grizzlies are a force to be reckoned with. There's a lot of good teams just in the league right now. There's a lot of parity in the league. Like we were saying, tonight we saw the Kings squeak out a three-point victory over the Warriors, which is absolutely incredible. I think everyone in the in the national picture is thinking that the king they're they're underestimating the kings in my opinion and for my money so we'll hopefully uh still be talking about nba playoff basketball and sun's playoff stretch next time we convene for our may episode of the heat check podcast and now in this episode of the heat check podcast i think we should make the tough transition and talk about the arizona cardinals and the current state of what the hell is going on with this franchise man I don't even know where to start, so I think we'll start with the most recent news and work our way backwards. How, how do we feel about that? All right. I'm getting nods over here for anyone who can't see, <laughs> yeah, which yes. none of you can see because this is an audio-only podcast. But we got news yesterday, Friday the 14th of April, that Buda Baker has requested a trade from the Arizona Cardinals. Earlier in the day, he had removed Arizona from his Twitter bio, and he changed his Twitter picture to just be some generic-ass picture of him standing by the pool. And I got love for Buda Baker, and honestly, I'm not surprised by this news because we saw in Hard Knocks, he was the only guy who seemed to give a shit on the entire roster. He's out there crying in post games, begging his teammates to care, begging his teammates to try harder. And it was clearly evident that nobody wanted to try to win games. They just wanted to collect paychecks, go home, and play Call of Duty Warzone. So I'll ask you first, <laughs> Tallman. <laughs> what is your reaction to this Buda Baker trade request? It is it's disgusting. It not on nothing on Baker at all okay we're talking about a guy who is the face of the franchise and that is such a blow to who should be the face of the franchise which who should it be guys Kyler Kyler Murray and it's not all right so Baker had his run time on hard knocks and and like you said just I'm not going to repeat but he is the Arizona Cardinals all right this is the guy and Let's not get it twisted, all right? Um, he might be doing this just to create leverage so that he can get a, a, a new deal. He can get Because he's got no guaranteed money on his, uh, on his books right now. Um, he's only under contract for the next two years. Um, next year, he makes like $13 million. The year after that, it's like 14 So he probably wants a deal. This is what they're saying. Um, a deal that makes him the highest paid safety in football again. Because when, when we signed him to that extension handful of years ago, um, he was the highest paid safety in football. Now, of course, there's people that have surpassed him, right? Happens. But when when you have really such a, what was it? He's made the, the Pro Bowl four, five times? I, I, I don't know the stat. But w- when the best player on your team, and I'm going to call him that because he is the best player on this football team right now, um, when you have such a key player coming out and requesting a trade publicly, like it's really hard for a franchise to to come out looking good in that. You know what happened, right? What happened at home where it's so bad that a guy that is so important to this this franchise, so important to this team, so important to this fan base, that he comes out and he's he, and he's requesting the ultimatum of he wants out. What's going on? 
Where's the, I mean, we, we've heard about so much dysfunction coming from this franchise over the last six, seven months. And the last month, the last three months have probably been the worst three months I've ever seen in this franchise history. And I know we're going to talk about all the other For stuff. For an offseason. And, and I thought last year was bad. Last right. offseason was bad, man. Oh, dude, we are just off to a glowing start. Man, the dumpster fire continues, right? It's just, it's disgusting. Like I said to start, where what happened? Where's the disconnect? It's just absolutely absurd to me because Jonathan Gannon came out and said, like, we need more guys like Buda Baker. Well, Mike, you know who a guy like Buda Baker is? Buda Baker. Thank you. Exactly. And to now have him be requesting a trade, and maybe you're right, Tom, and maybe it is just to create leverage for a contract situation. But to be honest, do you think that Buda Baker wants to waste his whole career on a losing team? He seems like the type of competitor that actually wants to win games and maybe win a championship. And if he's looking at this Cardinals offseason where they're clearly not trying to win any games in 2023, 2024... Does he really want to be a part of another rebuild or does he want to get traded to a team that's actually going to have a chance to win games and compete for a championship? So I'm over here trying not to jump off the ledge and I'm not saying that you guys have. I'm jumping off the ledge. But I'm <laughs> Where's trying, the ledge? I'm jumping. I'm trying to go back to last September and live within that same moment of myself as one of my other favorite sayings. Not too high, not too not low. Too Hold low. on, guys. Say it with me here. Ready? Not, not, not too, too high, high not, not too low. But damn it, dude, it's getting hard to not be too low. Like, my goodness. What an incredibly, absolutely inefficient start to the new regime. Especially with all the you know NFL reports about how crappy our facilities are and, you know, I know we're going to dive into a little bit more things. Jonathan Gannon saying that he's not in tune with what his own players, his own starting offensive linemen are saying about other players. Like, There's just a lot of inconsistency within this franchise right now. And it's it's a tough pill to swallow because we've already had plenty of conversations about going into this seasons with bare minimum expectations probably in the top five pick once again and starting this rebuild and starting to refresh and giving guys a little bit of grace period. But we can't play dumb for so long. You know what I mean? And the situation with Buda Baker is truly an eye-opening one because you have to go back to when Monty Austinfort was first hired as the GM for this franchise. And one of the first things he said was, you know, I remember when I did my interview when I was with the Patriots and Buda Baker came in and within 20 minutes I was ready to run through a brick wall for that guy. Well, if it really is about contract disputes, how come we're not running through the brick wall to make him happy after what Tallman has said plenty of times as well, and I 100% agree, our main free agent guys that we were hoping to get back, like a Zach Allen, like a Byron Murphy go for greener pastures because they don't want to be around this situation anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can't believe we're already at this stage with the new regime. And as much right. as I want to give them that grace period, the amount of negativity that continues to follow this franchise off the field is truly absurd. And it's making it hard 
for us to sit here and talk about the future of this franchise and if this leadership is continuing to take us in that right direction. I mean, shit, guys, I knew we were tanking, but we're bringing in Jeff Driscoll for quarterback (laughs) workouts. Like, what are we talking about here, man? That doesn't give you optimism? Like, Not at all. (laughs) If there wasn't the biggest... You might as well just put over the State Farm Stadium, Tank Farm Stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what this next season is going to be. And And they're not hiding it. They're not hiding it. No, they're not. I mean, you're telling me we couldn't pay Byron Murphy... Two years, eighteen million. Who are we paying? We're not paying anybody. Well, and maybe we offered. So we, we couldn't afford that. Maybe really. we could have. Maybe no, we no. offered him, and he just oh, didn't oh, no. want it. That's what I. That, that's the point I'm making, right? So he didn't want to be here because the dysfunction is just out of. It's just there, and it's there's, there's so much of it. It's incredible, from Steve Kime to Cliff Kingsbury. Now, Michael Bedwell. It's like, what is going on? All right, cue up that the office meme right now. What is going on? <laughs> And where's Andy? Um, and then Zach Allen. Oh, well, he's not a match in the in the defense. He doesn't match the scheme. Our coach came out and said we don't even he doesn't even have a specific scheme. He does whatever the fuck he wants. Excuse yeah. my language. And then no, these guys oh, and then Zach Allen signs with the team where Vance Jofis Vance Jofis <laughs> Vance does that. Vance, Jof- Vance Jofis <laughs> God damn it. Vance Joseph is now the defensive coordinator, man. No, he went where he wanted to go. Right, they, people are—they're getting the hell out of Dodge because this place is fucked up. You run away from house fires, exactly. and the house is on fire right now. And I can't—I want to deep dive these topics. We're going to talk about Michael Bidwell being accused of cheating and other allegations. We're going to talk about Steve Kime going on podcasts and talking about a little bit about his time with the Cardinals and. That dude had 10 years to try and make this organization something and just fell short at every turn. But just to stay on this vein of Buda Baker, man, um, when you come to the point of having to request a trade, that's trying to create leverage. And I have to imagine that he was trying to get whatever he if he is truly trying to accomplish getting a, a more secured contract or whatever you have. I have to believe that he was trying to have those conversations in the background, and Mawson, Mawson Fort, Austin Fort just might not have been entertaining it to where now he's forced the hand, and Buda Baker is having to come out and do this publicly. And I think we, I think any Cardinals fans will agree that we're on Buddha's side, and that's that shouldn't be the case. Can, can you blame the guy? I mean, come no, on, man. I can't. And then I'm going to steal this from '987. This team is clearly not trying to win. Oh, that's obvious. When what they should be doing is they should be a team that's just not ready to win. Actively try to win, but just know, okay, well, they're just not ready. They're building something. Always right? try and win. Yeah. We're, we're clearly, like, we're showcasing it. Just like you said about on, uh, what you, what'd you call that? What well, we should put the name on the stadium. <laughs> Tank Farm. Tank, Tank Farm. Yeah. That's literally what they're doing. There, there should be banner, banners flying all around fucking Phoenix right now that this team is obviously not trying to win. It should be a team that's just not ready to win, right? Let's put the right... I, I just don't get it, man. I, it's, I've never been more not excited for a fucking football season in my entire life as an uh, Arizona Cardinals fan for then this season coming up. It is brutal. Really bad. So for the way that I did talk about some of the items in regards to the feelings and the expressions and the viewpoints that we might have about this team, especially with the new front office 
not willing to bring back some of these guys who have been pivotal keys to our team. I can't even really say team success over the past couple of years because, yeah, we start 10-2, and two, but then absolutely falter and fall flat and are just national la- laughing stocks when we finally make it back to the playoffs and get shit-pumped by the Los Angeles Rams. You know, like... But these were key contributors. You liked that one, didn't you? <laughs> these were key contributors to our team. And new regimes want to set a precedence and bring in their own guys or set the table and say, hey, you might have been that guy, but you're not my guy. Right? So that's where I could see some of these situations coming from. And probably more realistically, specifically, that was a lot right there. But specifically with Buda Baker, because he was already on the team and how highly they've classified him as a player within this organization. And he deservedly so needs to be paid and be re-updated because you're talking about a guy who's going into his seventh season in the league. And for NFL players, some, some are lucky to play 12 years in the league. So this is almost kind of one of his last big contracts that he might be able to get. And if this franchise is going to go through a growing period and tank football games and ask him to go out there and leave it all out on the field for his $13 million a year that he's owed this next year. Not even guaranteed. You know, I don't think that's worth it to him when they're pushing this narrative of this isn't the year for us. You know what I mean? When you're going to start David Blau, you're going to start David Blau at quarterback and you expect him... to play on the opposite side of the ball, right? So that, but that's what I'm going back to specifically saying Sorry, where man. maybe the GM and the leadership part of this franchise is is viewing that. And as a Cardinals fan, it's really hard to stomach because of the impressive nature that Buda Baker continues to show himself as not only a player on the field, but just as a professional, as a person. As an organizational leadership figure as a player for the Arizona Cardinals, something that we dearly pray for and cross our fingers and hope for from somebody like Kyler Murray, right? So it digs deep when those kind of guys are asking to get out of Dodge, like Cody was saying, because, oh, I said Cody. Tallman. Oops. His name is Tallman. Editor cut that. (laughs) And I know this is long-winded, but I just wanted to kind of touch back on maybe that's what we're seeing. And as Cardinals fans, it's hard to stomach that and see that. But at this point, with the amount of free agents that left town, with what we're doing right now, to not suffice his needs is truly unacceptable as a franchise, especially for the incredible words that came out of your mouth as Monty Ossifort and Jonathan Gannon. To the point where Buda Baker has to go on Twitter and post the freaking Michael Jordan last dance meme where it became <laughs> personal to me. Like, yeah, that is the biggest red flag of all time coming from the best player on your team. And, uh, and you make me think like of a great uh, – maybe it's not a great point, but you make me think here that – Austin Fort is kind of skating by and not taking a lot of blame so far. And I'm, I've been really hot on Gannon because he is in the forefront. He's the one talking to the media. And I don't have much to say on Austin Fort right now other than the moves he's making are questionable at best. You talk about these moves he's 
made and he hasn't he didn't bring in Jeff Driscoll but he brought him in for a workout I think but he did bring in cornerback Chris Boyd who I tweeted out has an impressive 18 tackles a season and has never had an interception in his career in four seasons and fucking Jonathan Gannon is going to sit there and look every one of the Cardinals fans in the eyes and say and I'm pretty sure this is I might be botching this quote a little bit but basically it was something to the extent of the games aren't won in the off season. Fuck you, John Gannon. You <laughs> fucking suck. <laughs> like you, the moves Wait, that shots, explosives, explosions. The the moves that you've made, the things that you've said, have not impressed me or made me think that you're trying to win any games. You can't. You s- fucking sign players to be competitive and to win games when the season starts. And right now, you're not doing anything of that nature. And you're not even showing that you have any desire to win games. And on top of all of that, you're signaling to Cardinals fans and the media that you have no idea what's even happening within your organization. I'll pass it over to you in a sec, Tallman. But literally, when he was asked if he had heard Kelvin Beecham's comments on Kyler Murray. He acted like he had never been on the internet before in his fucking life. Like, he doesn't have any one of his assistants listening to these things to tap him on the shoulder and be like, yo, Kelvin Beecham said that Kyler Murray needs to grow up. Jonathan Gannon just has his fingers in his ears going, la, 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 games aren't won in the offseason. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, I don't know if Michael Bidwell or Austin Ford isn't letting you be honest with the media or the Cardinals fans, but right now we could use some goddamn transparency. Like I really wish that they could just come out and say, Hey guys, you know, we are in a bit of a rebuild. We're not quite where we want to be as an organization. And we're trying to set us ourselves up for long-term success. Instead, he's blowing smoke, acting like we're actually going to try and win games this year. When guys, there is no way we're going to win more than I would say four games, five games would be impressive for my money. And I am speaking passionately because I care. And we love it. But that, I mean, exactly the sentiments that you said can go back to our last Heat Check podcast when we were talking about Jonathan Gannon's comments on DeAndre Hopkins and what his future was in the offense for this team. I'm moving forward as if he's my ex-receiver. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? The guy's not even showing up to practices right now. He's on a boat doing shrimping or something. You know what I'm saying? Fishing competitions. He's not there. We know what the narrative is. Don't play dumb anymore. Show some transparency. Exactly like you just said, Chris. I echo all of those sentiments. With that being said, the front office and Michael Bidwell and that leadership is probably telling him not to do that because they just asked all the season ticket holders to pay more <laughs> money to come out to games next year. So you can't tell them that we're going to only win two games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm with you guys. It's it's lip service. And then you're, you're talking about a first-time head coach, and he's saying all these things. I mean, I, I don't know, man. But actions um, but speak louder than I, words. Look I, at the moves they're making. I hear you, but then you got to sit there and, like, don't you just wish you could be a fly in the wall oh, yeah. whenever Bidwell meets with Gannon, where he probably told him straight up, man, this is all probably coming from Bidwell, okay? This might be a hot take, but it starts at the top and it trickles down, right? It's that effect that happens with everything in life, right? Every right. company that you've worked for in your entire life, it starts at the top, it trickles down. Shit rolls downhill. Exactly. That, boom. Nailed it. Roasted. Um, <laughs> so I bet you he's coming out. Bidwell's telling him... He's telling Austin Fort, we're not, we're not signing anything. We're not spending any money. 
we're going to get rid of these guys. We're going to do this. We're going to tank. We're going to get a, a top five pick next year. This is going to happen, right? And you're right. So he comes out and uh, bumps up the prices for the season ticket holders. But this is all starting with him. You know, that that's, it's, it's got to be, right? It's got to be starting with him. And I, I think I feel that more now after this all these allegations came out against him. And we're going to talk about it. I, I know. But, I mean, you got to give Gannon a little bit of a break. You know, first-time head coach. He hasn't done this before. He hadn't had, he hadn't had to answer all these media questions before. So you're saying that Bidwell and Austin Fort so far are using Gannon as a scapegoat and well, as a patsy to just go out yeah, there and it, take the it's fall like that, for all um, of this. It's like the um, Robert Sarver thing, where he's only going to hire somebody that is inexperienced that he can he can whip around and tell him what he's gonna what he's gonna do. And I know that's a very hot take, because you could argue that Bidwell signed off on hiring BA, and BA doesn't take bullshit, right? Yeah. But <sighs> no, and and so I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about Bidwell a little bit, and that you brought him up because I do want to talk about the allegations that have been leveraged. But also, off the air, a conversation that Michael Benjamin and I have been having is maybe that for our money, and I guess I'll throw this to to Mike to speak on, is Michael Bidwell too involved with this organization? Yeah, he's the principal owner, and he's also the president. Does he need to step away as president and appoint someone else who knows football and who's been living, breathing, playing football. Like, of course, Bidwell's been around football his whole life. His dad, Bill, owned the team and handed it down to him. But would it serve this team to have him step away from the day-to-day and let somebody else handle that burden? In a perfect world, the answer is yes, right? But in the world we live in today, that is just something that we will never be able to truly force upon somebody unless allegations so egregious so egregious come out to the point where they can't even really be involved within a franchise anymore and they're forced to sell. So I'd love more experience, more leadership, more boots on the ground, if you could say so, 100%. I mean, I think I love uh, this is one of my new favorite sayings. This is just the sayings episode for me, guys. But <laughs> Mike is asterisk, right? Well, the first time that Michael Bidwell steps in to the front office as kind of the general not the general manager but like the president of the team the cardinals go to the super bowl so your extreme high is already off right at the beginning right and we've just faltered within our opportunities since then and questionable leadership choices questionable extensions continue to follow him and now these allegations come to the forefront with what's been going on and Chris I'm going to let you explain kind of what's been going on with that a little bit more here shortly but also not only just the allegations against him the allegations about the facilities and the teams and how families are treated and just everything overall with this franchise I think that has to open up his eyes a little bit right and and maybe try and step back from a thousand foot view to start putting more people into good positions to lead this team into a brighter future because the amount of negativity that has continued to come with this team over the past two years guys it's just getting tiresome like 
it's giving me anxiety, man, trying to figure out what's going forward with this team. So that would be in my perfect world, 100%. I'd be right there with you, Chris. You know, right. I, yeah, keep tabs. Maybe have a monthly luncheon with your coach and GM, that kind of stuff. But put some different people in that leadership position to be in the draft room with those guys to help make those decisions. Because if you can even go back to when we did All or Nothing in 2015 – with B.A. and Steve Kime, when they were talking about draft picks and that kind of stuff, sometimes they'd look over at Michael Bidwell and it looked like they were scared shitless to truly express their opinion well, because they were worried about what he truly thought. And well, at the end of the day, he is kind of the final decision maker. 100%. He can so fire that's you on the why spot. You got to just be there, be the face, do all those good tidings, bring the final four to Arizona – host Super Bowls, do Taylor Swift concerts, <laughs> do all these great things, be a face, but put the people who know football in the forefront to take you to where you need to be. 100%. And people listening and Tallman and Mike, put it in the context of your normal nine to five jobs. You guys are great at your jobs, but how are you going to perform when the president and owner of the company is sitting at the same desk as you while you're doing your job day in and day out? Are you going to perform the same or are you going to be highly stressed out worrying about every little decision you make while they're sitting right there next to you? It's a whole nother dynamic. And I agree, Mike. It's not that he has to step away and be blind and just collect checks. He can still check in and be tuned in. But does he have to be in the film room? Does he have to be in, in part of the decision-making process? No, he doesn't. He needs – there's no doubt about it that he needs to take a step back, right? And there's questions coming out about the culture inside this franchise. So the easiest way to fix it is – he steps away, hires a president, boom. Easy. That's that's all you got to do, man. That's all you got to do. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. What's the definition of an allegation? It's not proven, right? All right, so we don't have all the facts. We don't know what actually happened, right? It might be some disgruntled employees saying this and that. Obviously, we know about the one previous uh, Cardinals executive that came out about the whole cheating scandal and all that. Like, we get that. And I know I sat, sat there before, and I was probably shooting from the hip when I was thinking that he's probably doing some scandalous stuff back there trying to, you know, tell the, the, the new GM that we're tanking this season. But we don't know everything yet, you know? Yeah. No, and I, I want to see how it plays out. Wait, well, hold on. I got to jump in here. Allegations are allegations. I'm 100% with you, Tallman. But we also have 15 years of him doing this kind of stuff after he stopped being a lawyer having weekly meetings with the coach going over game films yeah. and consistently seeing this team falter when they have incredible records within the season go into the playoffs and then shoot themselves in the foot and are national laughing stocks like the way that he has conducted himself as a team president as far as football operations has been the same thing that's going on every single year but so these allegations maybe are to give him that step back that he needs where he wouldn't have been able to see it beforehand. You know what I'm but saying? But you can argue, okay, so he took over in 2007, 2008, right? So you can argue that when was the best season this franchise has ever had? When we ran, made that run to the Super Bowl and we were 9-7, and seven, right? But that but, clearly had nothing to yeah, do with it, him. The, the best season really. But that, that was, so he, so what everyone's saying is he took this franchise out of the dark ages is what it is, right? Uh, and we turned around and we have, we've had some great seasons with him as the president. 
And we haven't heard... I mean, c- come on, think about it. Maybe some of this was part of BA. I mean, how many how many um, black people have they hired? I mean, we had a fucking uh, woman coach at one point. I mean, he has been in the forefront of promoting diversity and everything. Granted, we don't know. We don't work for the Cardinals. We don't know who cares the color of your skin when he hires you. How does he treat you, right? We don't know that part, right? But he's been... He's revolutionized a lot of this this growth in diversity and opportunities in the NFL. I don't want to say I don't care about diversity because I do, but I care about winning games. That's what it really comes down to, yeah, putting the best people in the best position to win. But aside from all that, I want to just add some context here of what we're talking about for anyone who's confused. This was on April 4th of this year. Adam Schefter came out with an article on ESPN, and I'll just read a few quick paragraphs. Arizona Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell is accused of gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment in an arbitration claim filed Tuesday by former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. McDonough maintained that both he and former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes were left with no choice but to follow Bidwell's plan to use burner phones to communicate with former Arizona Cardinals general manager Steve Keim while Keim was serving a five-week suspension for pleading guilty to extreme DUI in Arizona. McDonough said he still has the phone, which he said contains the evidence of the cheating scandal, as well as additional documentation. In a detailed response sent to ESPN, the Cardinals strongly denied the allegations, calling them outlandish. Which, of course they're going to deny it. Of course they are. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a he said, she said, if you will. Because, of course, he, they can easily say that there's no linking these burner... If everyone is using burner phones, there's no way to link them back to whoever, this and that. And that, that could have just been all fabricated. So, well, the, like you said, Kodama, you can't substantiate allegations, but at the same time, it's like... Yeah, but the, the Terry McDonough dude said he still has the phone, too. So, where are the texts? Where's the he, proof? He says it's all on his phone. Well, why so that's why, why we need to wait that? and see, can he produce but, all of this evidence? Can, can he produce the phone? Can he produce the information and whatever? Well, Tom, that's that what phone? I'm saying, though. It's like, if I have a burner but, phone... But we have yet to see that, though. But no, what I'm saying is, if I have a burner phone, you have a burner phone, Mike has a burner phone, they're all fucking burner phones. There's nothing that says this is Michael Bidwell's phone. So he could have easily bought all three of those burner phones and just been texting back and forth between all three of them. When it comes that that would probably be the argument that Michael Bidwell would make is like there's no way to prove that 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 other the other number in his phone was connected to Michael Bidwell. It could all be fabricated, and that's probably why nothing has really come out yet. And yeah, I know and that, that we've already what had. What was our record that season? <laughs> Three and thirteen, right? Yeah, Didn't we end up with the number one pick. Yeah, we were cheating for yeah garbage. To talk we were with, cheating to tank. So I mean, yeah. to talk we were with, pulling a Dallas to talk with time. I mean. I guess we know it was in um, Steve Kimes Cup on that uh, Chris Long podcast. Um, Yo, poor guy. I'm just kidding. say it, Tom, and um, say it. My bad. Boom roasted. <laughs> Boom roasted. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> well, um, and I'm I'm pretty sure the Cardinals came out basically kind of with a legal statement, like they had their legal team kind of put out a. I, I don't even know how many pages was like statement. Like they were prepared for this situation to come about with Terry McDonough. And obviously he was still with the team until pretty recently. I feel like a month or so ago, basically when these allegations dropped, because when the new leadership came in with Monty Austin Fort, that's when they let him go. He was still some kind of. Oh, really? I thought he was. I thought he's he was gone still for part of the organization. He wasn't in the same facility, obviously, but 
they were prepared and they kind of had a feeling because I think they were saying that he was a guy who would go into conversations and like have like a recorder or like he was one of those really? guys when he Ooh. would have. Yeah. So they were kind of prepared for that. But side being this conversation about the allegations, I still want to go back to the aspect of what Michael Bidwell does to insert himself within, insert himself within football operations. You know, Cliff Kingsbury came out and said he was having weekly meetings with him going over tape, right? Yeah. Like, is that what our president needs to do? No. Like, what kind of conversations are coming about from that is what we're trying to see moving forward. Like, is he the one who was telling Cliff Kingsbury, who's passing it along to Vance Joseph, to continue to play Jordan Hicks instead of giving Isaiah Simmons more time on the field? And trying to figure out where he needs to be as a number or a top 10 NFL draft pick. You know, we don't know these things, but that could be something that could happen. Because like we've said, he's the overall decision maker at the end of the day. He can fire you at the drop of a dime. So that's just not what I want. I, I don't want those guys to feel that kind of pressure to have been hired to make football decisions and then be worried to make what they feel is the best football decision because of a conversation that they've had with Michael Bidwell. That's what Nail we're worried about more so at the end of the day. Yeah, you hire these guys to put them in these positions because you trust them. And what does it say if you're sitting in every single meeting alongside the decision-making process? And how much of a say is Bidwell having in these decisions? It's way too much tinkering. I mean, we saw that in... Uh... Uh, hard knocks man it was just like what 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 other nfl team has the owner i know he's the president too but what other team has the owner sitting there talking to the head coach reviewing all the film with the head coach like and he's not even a football guy you know like what the fuck does he know um but going on to the do you guys saw the the personal letter that uh uh, what was it? Um, Ron Miniger wrote to Bidwell in 2019, which is coming. Someone got a, a copy of it, and now it's part of this whole Terry McDonough lawsuit. Do you guys see that? You were telling me a bit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I got a little note of it. So um, so uh, this is the the former executive VP and COO, Ron Miniger. Um, in 2019, he wrote a letter to Michael Bidwell, and it says, I quote, You're not the guy I met back in 2000. You used to smile and laugh a lot. You used to be fun to be around. You were excited about the future and what it would mean for our organization. You worked your ass off and started to see the fruits of your labor. I acknowledge that you have had to deal with a lot, a ton of issues this past year, but you come to work angry every day. You talk down to almost everyone. You've become arrogant and condescending. You need to get credit for everything when things are going well and are quick to point the finger at everyone else when we are struggling. So that is just damning right there, dude. That is brutal. Weren't you saying that was a friend of Bill, his father? Yeah, so yeah, he's he's been he's been around forever. So he was uh very close with Bill and apparently Apparently, uh, Ron and Michael did not have a good relationship. But uh, but Ron came out because he Ron came out. And he said he was um, he regretted the letter. Um, not not saying that he's not stepping back from what he meant in the letter, but saying he regrets that he wrote it because now it's coming out and it was a personal letter. And it's Should not supposed to be public. public. Yeah. 
So he was very upset about that. But wow, those are some those are some big words right there. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. And, and not not to go long on this Bidwell bashing or whatever it is. But and I might and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm misunderstanding the role of the president of a football organization. But they're not in they're they're obviously they're in charge of everything, right? It's not just the day to day of the team and the play calling and the coaching stuff. It's also the facility, the marketing, the the PR aspect of it. How much of that is Bidwell doing? It seems like he's more concerned with the day to day and what the team is doing, which obviously that's what it all boils down to it's all a part of it and that's the biggest aspect of it is what the team is doing on the field but like we keep saying and not to repeat myself but you hire these people because you trust them to make the decisions on your behalf you interviewed them extensively so that you could put them in those positions to make those decisions while you handle all the other shit involved in the organization but instead you're wasting your time in these team meetings, in these film sessions, doing all of this, sh- filming Cardinals flight plan where you're driving around Super Bowl weekend to 15 different events, shaking hands and jerking off dicks. I, I should cut that out. But... <laughs> uh, he probably liked it, too. But it's just it just seems like his priorities aren't where they need to be and I'm sorry I'm sorry again I'm passionate about this topic because I am sick of losing franchises in the state of Arizona and it just seems like the Cardinals and Michael Bidwell were shooting ourselves in the foot oh. Oh, yeah everybody take a deep breath right Ooh, oh, God. I think the biggest thing about the entirety of everything that has gone on during the off season with the Arizona Cardinals is that I have to talk about this bullshit and not talk about the April 27th NFL draft and what the Cardinals are going to try and do with that number three pick. You know, like we're not focused on football. We're still not focused on football guys. We're focused on making sure that our star players are okay. We're focused on making sure if our coach, uh, you know, has a, anybody that's comparable to staying in tap with social media, which is so such a big part of anything that goes on today, to not tell your your guy what's going on in between players that have to work with each other on a day to day basis, like that's what we're focusing on. Either than trying to see if the Colts are going to be able to swap the fourth pick with us. To, pay, to take Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. like That's the stuff that I want to talk about. And that's the stuff that I was hoping to talk about after last year when we signed Cliff Kingsbury to the extension, signed Steve Keim, signed Kyler Murray, because we thought that was the future, and unfortunately it was not. And we're back stuck in this same rabbit hole trying to dig ourselves out and just get back to actual football. And unfortunately, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time before we really get to that. And obviously, the draft's coming up. We're going to talk about that, right? Yeah. But yeah, are these off-field situations the, really going to clear themselves up anytime soon? These are some the answer heavy, is no. Some heavy stains, man. Um, and I mean, like Mike said, unfortunately, like we have to waste time on talking about the culture of the owner. Is it not all self-inflicted, though? It really is, man. And then... I mean, we could list off 10 different issues that happened last offseason, and it's only April 15th. 
what else are we going to have? <laughs> the season's a long, oh, <laughs> long ways oh, away man. from now. So, but what's going to happen? Like I, I've been shocked by how poorly this off season has started. Like I said earlier, it might be the worst three months in franchise history from a national perspective of people not in Arizona, people that don't follow this team, that don't watch every game on Sunday like we do, people that are just reading those ESPN headlines about the cheating scandal, about your star player wants to leave, DeAndre Hopkins is acting like a free agent, right? So it's just, what is what is going on? The dysfunction, that is the vocab word of the day. Dysfunction. Look it up in a textbook. You're just going to see a... Or a textbook uh, in a dictionary. You're just going to see an Arizona Cardinals logo right next to it. That's what it is. It's just, it's terrible. And it's, it's a disservice to the fan base, to be honest. It, it really is, man. And then the more I think about like all this stuff that's coming out, like we, I was talking to you about it a couple days ago, where like, man, maybe, maybe it all wasn't on Cliff Kingsbury. You know, you have Steve Kime coming out saying, "Oh, yeah, Kyler Murray's great." Um, they just need to figure out how to use him. Dude. You were there. What? What do you mean they need to figure hopefully they use him the right way? What what do you mean? What like maybe it's not all Cliff's fault. Maybe that's a hot take. I, I don't want I mean well sorry I mean, to, to no, cut no, you off. Ahead, ahead, it's not sorry dude. to cut you off, but there were still so many unknowns with like things that happened with guys like Eno Benjamin. Sean Coogley. We still don't know either of those things. That are just obviously like just poof in the in the midair, not part of our franchises, and we have no explanations for them. You know, like there's just more deep rooted issues that are going on to the point where I'm not saying you need to clean house, but everybody needs to look themselves in the mirror and start to figure out a way to move forward. And start focusing on football. That's what it comes down to. And and isn't that so sad that it hasn't even really been about football? And Tallman, you keep saying this is the worst three months in franchise history. And isn't that something that it's not even when we're playing football that it's the worst period of time for this franchise? <laughs> yeah, isn't and that my sad? goodness. There were points last year where I thought it was the worst three months in Cardinals and guys, history. We have to do seventeen recaps of the Cardinals next season. Oy vey, we're gonna have fun with those. But to, to back to, to add some again, add some context to what Tallman is talking about with Steve Kime saying they just have to figure out how to use Kyler. He was on a podcast with Chris Long and a real estate agent talking about his time with the Cardinals. In the real estate, <laughs> just got that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I should apologize. No, uh, no. What no. are they gonna say about us, man? Come on. Yeah, no, that's it true. Just, hey, they just, don't know. It what just we do rolled off so perfect. That's like wow. Um, but he no, he was on this this the Chris Long podcast with him and his co-host talking about his time as a GM, what he would do if he were a GM in the league right now, and then some of his thoughts on you know Hopkins, Kyler Murray, things like that. And one of the things is he agreed with the assessment made by Kelvin Beecham that Kyler Murray just needs to grow up a little bit and not in the past tense, not that he needed to grow up, that he still needs to grow up. And I think they, I I think they kind of touched on it in the podcast where Chris Long was trying to give him the out of like, Oh yeah, in my first couple seasons, I needed to grow up. We're no longer in Kyler Murray's first couple seasons. I think we're coming up on what is fifth season in the NFL. He's not a kid anymore. He knows 
what to do. And yeah, you can blow all this smoke about how, oh, Kyler's a competitor. He cares so much about winning. He takes this shit personally. But again, I'll say it. Actions speak louder than words. From what this franchise is doing to what Kyler is doing. Yeah, it's great that he's hitting his rehab hard. It looks like he wants to get back out on the field. But what is he going to do when he gets back out on the field? And I hope that he has some type of chip on his shoulder where all this noise surrounding him and all this negative attention towards him right now is going to culminate into him performing well, but he could also crumble under the pressure. I mean, we just saw earlier this week, he was at Mullet Arena at a Coyotes game and he was getting booed. And Mike, I see you shaking your head over there. You're, uh, I think you're, you were expressing some, um, what am I trying to say here? Some disappointment from the Cardinals fan base in, in doing that. And I don't, I don't, I'd imagine there's somewhat of a crossover between Coyotes fans and Cardinals fans. Yeah, I mean, they're part of the Valley. We lump them in. We don't cover them as much, but <laughs> they're part of the Valley. I, I think a big thing with that is, you know, Cardinals fans, if you want to boot Kyler Murray, that's fine. But he's on our team right now, and he is the number one quarterback. And if you want him to leave and ask out like Buda Baker, I mean, every time you see him in public, go ahead and boo him. That's like If that's your it. prerogative, go ahead. But until then... He's the source that's supposed to lead this team into the future. So I'm not saying you have to give him adoration and you need to kiss his feet and kneel and kiss the ring or anything like that. And you don't have to cheer him on as well. But my God, you could give him a golf clap like booing guys. Like, what is that? What do you think that does for a psyche, especially a guy who it looks and seems like he's been putting in the work with his rehab to get back as fast as he can onto the football field. And the first time that he's kind of in a public sporting event scenario, he's getting booed. Like, dude, that is demoralizing. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, we all got to be KD in the Corbin Carroll jersey, right, in the D-backs game. But no, I mean, Kyler got more boos than we've had for this whole podcast. Hey, <laughs> you know, boom, well, roasted. And oh. no, but I, I think you guys are right. I mean, shouldn't as a Valley sports fan, you should be glad that Kyler Murray is buying into the Valley and seems to exactly. want to be here. He's See, going to support other point. local teams. And that, Katie's that, been here for how long? And he's three weeks or in something the limelight like that. Yeah. at a D-backs he's, game. He's yeah. wearing the 2001 World Series personalized hat with the Diamondbacks logo on it. It's a guy who is embracing the Valley. Like I said, you don't have to go down there and give him a hug and like pick him up. I think most people could like do that pretty easily oh, with Kyler. Yeah, Murray, piggyback you know ride saying? to the concession stand. But Wait, I, I can't even see him. Where is he? But to to boo the guy, it's and maybe that's just me being. Be, I, I, I think I said even, this earlier. I didn't today. see the clip. Was it bad? Is that's it, the thing. It, there is no clip. There's there no, no clip of him being just, booed. It was reports from people reports in the stadium. That, yeah. okay. They did show. I think it was kind of like the arena. TV like it, like, a, like a TV him, timeout. Like, he was putting them on the on screen. The screen. Right, like, like, ah. here, yeah. But you could tell, I think when people started to boo him, like he kind of got like an awkward smile and like kind of turned to his friend and like kind of chuckled for a second. So at least he's a good sport about it. But you get booed in your home state, man. Yeah, well, not his home state, but you know what I mean? This professional home the state. The state he plays for, the team yeah. that drafted him. Yeah. 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 And I know there's, there's high criticisms when it comes to a guy who is supposed to be the leader of your franchise and is getting paid that kind of money. I, I understand it. But we also should 
try and support him and get him to that finish line to be the leader that we want him to be. It's and, not going to happen this year. Right. And, you know, crucify me if I think I said this earlier off podcast. Crucify me, guys, if I'm just the old man sitting over here on the porch hoping that get we can support each other. You know, my goodness. But this guy just signed the extension last year. He's going to be around for a while. We're not going to be able to trade him any fucking time soon. So try and give him a little bit of damn support to get him back on the football field and start changing the narrative for this team. I mean, do you blame the fans though, Mike? I mean, I blame the fans. Like no, so he's You know gonna, what, Tolman? Well, Let me ask you a question. If you're at Mollet Arena and Kyler Murray comes on the screen, are you giving him a, a clap? Or are you booing him? I'm gonna say, dude, don't hurt that, don't hurt that knee anymore, man. I'm gonna give him a half-hearted um, clap. Dude, that's I fine. Might, that's all I need. Well, yeah, I might that's be like, I might be like, oh, oh, snap! Like, there's Kyler Murray. That's going back to exactly but... what I'm saying. You don't need to be hip, hip, hooray! Kyler Murray's here. My day has been made. But if there's the a run of booze going presence. already, like, I might be like. You might join in. I'm like, shit, I'm, like, I'm going to get oh, on okay. this. I mean, wait, everyone, everyone here's else a, is booing. Here's a All right. you guys. Do you think if Buda Baker shows up at like an Arizona Diamondbacks game next week, do you think he's getting no. cheers or no, booze? He's, he's no, everyone gets booed. it. Everyone gets it. Yeah. And and that, But I think, I think honestly, that's a little bit of a, a difference, though, in the distinction I want to make is that Buda Baker has put his heart and soul onto the field and has been a consummate professional throughout his time with the Cardinals to where whatever is going on behind the scenes, he's upset. And we even saw that if you go through the comments in the Twitter post, no one is saying like, fuck you, Buddha. They're all like, ah, this sucks. I totally I, I get, get it. it. Like, yeah, yeah, I get, I get it. it. Like, I don't blame you To where at Kyler, all. he's had those outbursts where he's telling uh, Cliff Kingsbury to calm the fuck down. He's shutting down in the in late in the game when they're losing to where... Uh, Colt McCoy's having to go over and tell him, hey, man, you got to get back in there to finish the game. He's finish like, the game. no, I don't want to do it. There's a track record. Yeah, You're right. exactly. And it leaves a bad taste in Cardinals fans' mouths where, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because Tallman and I have sat here in this very studio and said that, the Cardinals should trade Kyler Murray. And you're right, Mike. It's not going to happen. We're paying him a lot of money. It'd be really hard to unload him. And honestly, like, what is the desire throughout the league to get a guy like Kyler Murray right now who is unproven, who is coming off of an injury? It's just I can't imagine we would get a great return for him at this point, let alone his it's contract impo- is fucking massive. Yeah, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. And then, and then we're not sitting here saying that Kyler Murray hasn't laid it all out on the line. He has, okay? He Man. has played... No, he has. When he got hurt, he was he was very upset, right? So there's no denying he wants to win. He yeah. wants to play. He wants to be there. He wants to be the guy. I mean, come on, think about his upbringing, man. He never lost. the The kid doesn't like to lose. But when he when even he did even lose, if it's Fortnite, when he, he started like to lose, lose he okay? shuts down and cries like a well, little baby. Well, That's yeah, what I have a problem with. No, no. <laughs> I I hear you. Okay, I I get it. And and what's even more disconcerting to me is we're, we're talking about a guy who's he's he's already he's paid he's fully paid right and he's going to be coming back to a team in week eight or nine coming back to a team that is not even remotely trying to win all right so he's gonna do you think he's gonna be like oh i can't wait to get on the field to well play. do you think if who's the, blocking for me if oh, this was a competitive team do you think he would try and fast track that to get on the field quicker yeah, exactly see that that's the thing and that, so at least sign a guy that's not colt mccoy that's not david blau blau 
That's not Jeff Driscoll. That, yeah, that too. <laughs> Seriously, come on, man. I mean, what the hell? All right? Like, like he's going to come back and be like, oh, I have no idea who's blocking for me. Who am I throwing the ball to? Oh, Rondell Moore is already hurt. Hollywood Brown's already. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving shit. But, Hypotheticals I mean, here. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Like everyone's gonna be hurt again. Um, but he's gonna be coming back to a team that's probably gonna be like two and six, two and seven. That's generous. That is a little generous. Well, we don't, obviously we don't know the we don't know the schedule yet. Yeah, two and yet. seven is generous. I mean, I mean, oh. I mean shit. We <laughs> could get the schedule and go. Now. Oh, we're gonna go zero and eight, man. But I mean, he's not gonna be rushing back at all. And whose fault is that, man? Awesome for you know, and like you sit here, you look at you look at teams, you look at teams like the Giants, look at teams like the Jets, look at teams like the Jags, dude. The Jags were were three and thirteen or two and fourteen, I think, and they turned around, they made the playoffs the next season. This is a different sport, man, where you don't need to tank, dude. All right, these these type of things, dude. What was our record last year? Obviously, we have the number third pick. It was absolute shit, man. You don't need to destroy the entire thing and wait a year to build up to something great like we can turn around it's this it's the nfl man you can bring someone in i know our franchise quarterbacks hurt but bring somebody in that's somewhat competitive maybe kyler comes back because he's so good at squatting right you see that video of him oh, squatting like he's hitting yeah. those squats look, hard. look at him yeah he's, he his, looks his great. rehab yeah. is incredible man he's moving along like a you know um Maybe we go three and four. Maybe we go three and five. And he comes back and we have a chance to really pull it off, right? Or maybe make some noise, okay? But right now, there's no way that's going to happen. He's not rushing back to anything. The fans have nothing to look forward to. And whose fault is that? That's the million-dollar question. Whose fault is it really? Is it Michael Bidwell's? Is it the new leadership? Is it Monty Austinfort? Is it Jonathan Gannon who just stepped in the door? Or is it the decisions that have been made for this franchise over the past four years that have led us to this point? I think, Tallman, you said it best. I think it's a rhetorical question because there's just too many ill-advised factors that led to where this franchise is right now. And it's going to be an uphill battle and it's going to be a tough one. And as a Cardinals fans, it's always hard to stomach. But... I think that's just the nature of professional sports, man. If you got one good one, you can't have them all be good. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And we, we always want our team to put the best product on the field, on the court, on the ice, whatever the venue of performance is. And for my perspective, and again, I've been speaking passionately passionately about it on this on this episode, but I just don't think that they are in good faith trying to put the best product on the field this season, and I just wish they would be transparent about that and tell us why that is. Whether it's, hey, we're saving cap room so that we can try and get better in the next two, three, four years. Whether it's, hey, we just don't think that we're going to be competitive this year. Whatever it is, just quit blowing smoke. That's that's all I'm asking for. Well, I guess you couldn't have picked a better year to unveil some new uniforms, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh goody oh hey guys we suck but here check this out spend 120 dollars on this new jersey let's go the silver lining <laughs> and i'm sure we we could keep we could make this a two three hour podcast if we really wanted to because there's a lot of angles like obviously the season ticket angle and trying to appease the fans in in one way or another but it just seems like something's got to give and it's gonna be a tough year ahead of us but believe it 
that we're going to be keeping a pulse on it. We're going to keep talking about it every month on this Heat Check podcast, on our live streams, and when the season starts on our weekly recaps that we will stick to. And if you don't know, we have started doing bi-weekly recaps of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We just did our first one for the first two weeks, and uh, they're uh, beginning of the season just this last week, and you can check that out over on YouTube. And the Diamondbacks, man, they're off to a hot start. They hadn't lost a series until this most recent one here against the Marlins. They just dropped their second game of that one today. Hopefully they can avoid a sweep and win the game tomorrow. Um, by the time this is out, you'll probably know one way or the other. But just keeping it high level with this team, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I had high hopes. Um, the young, talented roster the Diamondbacks have put together for this season, we, we knew that they would be competitive. But I don't think any of us expected them to be in the number one spot in the division for a prolonged period of time. And whether they maintain that or not, it's impressive for my money. And I hope that they don't start to take a step back here with losing these last couple games. But one thing's for sure, man, this pitching staff needs to get better from the starting rotation to the bullpen. It's been letting us down at every avenue to where it doesn't matter what the bats are doing if we don't have the pitching to back us up. Uh, me and Tallman were having a conversation last night about Madison Bumgarner might be done in the starting rotation. And Tallman, maybe you can expand on it here a little bit, passing it over to you. But you think that Bumgarner could end up in the bullpen? That's that's uh, just a, a guess. Wishful I, thinking, I maybe? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to think about it. With uh, the Zach Davies injury, and uh, Dre Jameson came up and filled in for Zach. And, man, Dre's got some nasty stuff, dude. He's going to be a stud, man. Um, he's one of our better – or he's our best young picture, p- pitcher, I think, that we have. I said picture, young picture. Um, but he's going to be <clears throat> outstanding. And – uh, Zach Davies is also no one to write off either. I mean, you got to think about the guy. I mean, he was he got a rotation spot to start the season, right? So when Zach comes back, I, I forgot his injury. I think something with his shoulder. I, I I don't know. I had to look it up to be exact. Um, but when he comes back, when he's healthy, it's go, it's really difficult to sit there and say, well, are you just gonna put Jamison back in the bullpen, man? I mean, no, like you can't. I, I mean, Jamison has so much more upside. I mean, he's going to turn into one of the best arms on this team that we have. And Bumgarner is going to keep sitting there. But I think he we pulled off one win when he started. Um, but his last one, man, is the uh, the opener to the Marlins, dude. It was it was bad. I mean, he like when are you going to sit there and finally cut the ties? I know you have. We talked about all these all the investment that you have in this guy. You have money built up into him. He's an accomplished dude. He's probably on his way to Cooperstown. You know, like he's, he's, he's the guy. But when do you sit there and figure out or realize that he's not the guy anymore? And it's it's gonna be this season, and hopefully it's soon because you can't just keep sitting there and shooting yourself in the foot when this young team has came out and has hit this season by storm dude it surprised all of us man i didn't think we we're going to come out this hot i didn't think this this group was going to gel like they are the speed the fucking talent on this team the just just the grit man this this team is nasty man like they are scrappy that's the word right there this is a scrappy bunch and you can't sit there and put that guy out there every five games and he's just going to be bringing your ball club down it can't happen 
Yeah, and to piggyback off your point, it is a young core, and yeah, it's been an impressive start. Yeah, we're doing hot right now, but honestly, there's no expectations of us making a deep playoff run or let alone the World Series, so why not let these young guys play and get their camaraderie built up and their experience built up? Like, yeah, I would much rather see Dre Jameson go out there and fail than watch Madison Bumgarner go out in there and fail. We've seen what he can do. He's been to the mountaintop with the Giants. We we don't need to see him anymore. Whether you just cut ties with him entirely or send him to the bullpen if he's willing to do that, that's perfectly fine with me. It's a disservice to trot him back out there on a consistent basis and expect different results just like Tallman was saying I mean we have five years of tape on this guy now we know what Madison Bumgarner is and he's just not the same pitcher that he was with the San Francisco Giants when he was making those title pushes you know three and five years and I'm right there with you once again Chris you got to see what these new guys have because even through 15 games you are excited about the start of this season and you want to see if you can continue that kind of momentum but you just can't keep trotting Madison Bumgarner out there man it's just not an option anymore I know about the investments and I know about all the different things that we've been talking about but it's a disservice to not only your franchise the players that are there but to the fan base like we're not ignorant anymore about what Madison Bumgarner is he's right. not the guy and no fault to his own, but his arm is gone. You're talking about a guy who, in his first appearance of the year, had to go back to Arizona because he was experiencing arm fatigue? His first start uh, of the year? Yikes. That's the biggest red flag right there. I mean, props to him. Hopefully, if he can go into the bullpen and be serviceable in some amount, that'd be great. But it's time to move forward because there's promise in this ball club right now. I mean, through 15 games, even after losing our first series, we're still in first place. Technically, we have the same record as the Dodgers right now, but we have the tiebreaker because we whooped that ass, as Tomlin would say. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully we can get that win tomorrow. We got Zach Gallen going up against Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara had a really nice year for the Marlins last year. He's nice. And Zach Gallen had a really nice outing against the Brewers, that 3-0 shutout. He had seven innings, no runs, 11 Ks. So hopefully he can keep that momentum. That'll be a big pitching matchup tomorrow. But great to see at least half of our teams in the Valley having some success. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It goes back to what I was saying uh, just a little bit ago. At least a bright spot, right? I feel like the sports gods. I mean, if we can, can at least only... watch the game somehow, but how do you watch a yeah. D-backs game? Now? That's a whole other topic. Jesus. Very true. But yeah, I think the sports gods only allow you to maybe maximum have half of your teams be good, <laughs> and then the other ones have to be ridiculed and yep. going through the mud well, in just Clayton the Keller, extravagant let's... way. Let's give the shout out to Clayton Keller. Oh, now we're talking Coyotes. No, just real quick. I, I got <laughs> nothing else. But... Do it. Well, no, he had a, he tied the franchise record for most points in a season. I think it was 85 points. Um, he got an assist in their last game to tie it at 85. I believe it's 85. 86, I don't know. Uh, but shout out to him making Coyotes history in his very, very young career. Good for him. He's going to be a solid piece for that, that squad going forward. And, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I hope that one day we can – be on here confidently talking about the Coyotes and 
that franchise being successful and staying in the Valley, it seems like they are going to be here. They're doing this arena deal in Tempe. They're having success at Mullet Arena. It's exciting times. I mean, there's obviously a lot of questions about hockey in the desert and how that really works and the criticisms of this being a retirement destination for a lot of NHL players because there's a lot of golf you can play out here. And so maybe you come and play your last few seasons as a Coyote and, and play a lot of golf. But I hope to I hope that one day they can crush that narrative because the Valley really deserves four competitive teams, especially when we're like one of the top five metropolitan areas by size and yeah we talk about us being a transplant city where there's a lot of diverse there's a diverse sports fan community there's a lot of canadians though too (laughs) hey that's true hey well can we convert those canadians into coyotes fans or are they canucks fans or senators Uh, fans or maple leafs fans it's the transplant problem with arizona unfortunately but hey i know this isn't a political podcast, but for those of you who live in the Tempe area, make sure you get out and vote so we can get that new stadium <laughs> Your going. Your vote matters. Because if, if we can keep this team here and change the culture and keep things moving, I know a lot of people have loved what's going on at Mullet Arena. I'd love to get out there and check out a game as well. Do I want to pay $400 to go see a game? <laughs> I probably don't. But... Dude, yeah, the cheapest ticket was like 120 bucks, man. Oof, that yeah. is, come on. So make sure you guys get out there and vote so we can move this thing forward and have a brand new stadium in the Phoenix metropolitan area within the next couple of years. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And the last thing I'll say is it would be an incredible thing for this franchise because it was for me as a casual hockey fan a lot to ask on a Tuesday night for me to drive all the way out to Glendale from where I live and especially where I live now here in the deep East Valley there was no way in hell I was going to go out to Glendale on a weekday let alone a weekend it's one thing to go out there for a Cardinals game because they only play what eight games a season out there eight, nine games a season now. And so you can plan a whole day around going to a Cardinals game. It's a whole different thing to ask people to plan a whole day around going to a Coyotes game. And if it's in Tempe, in the hub, the center of the Valley, that's so accessible for fans from all over the Valley to be able to go and do that. So definitely going to keep tabs on that. I agree, Mike. I hope the residents of Tempe are on board with that and they and they use their voice and use their vote to make that change and make that happen. And whatever the city of Phoenix's objections are, I'm not 100% up to date on that. I know it has to do with the airport and some noise concerns and whatnot, but I just think the net positive for the Valley is there and it needs to happen because keeping the Coyotes here is crucial and having four major sports teams in the Valley is massive and as a lot of these people are transplants sure but they're having kids that are born and raised here and i feel like a lot of them are more inclined to be a fan of the local team rather than to just root for the legacy of their family like me for example who was raised to be a steelers fan but you hear how passionately i'm speaking about the cardinals on this podcast because when it's all said and done i've more or less been converted to being more of a Cardinals fan than a Steelers fan. Sorry, mom and dad. Sorry, Matt. It's true. I I live here. I hear it. I breathe it. I am more exposed to it. And so I'm more inclined to root for the home team. But with that being said, it's it's been a heated episode here. It's been a passionate episode here. And I just want to take a deep breath and give you both the floor to say any last thoughts you have on the Suns, the Cardinals, the D-backs, the Coyotes. Tallman, what do you got first for us? Yeah, all I got is we are one of 13 cities with four major sport teams. 
let's keep it that way, guys. You know, let's let's go out, let's show some support, transplant transplant city or or, or not. I don't I don't give a shit, dude. Show some love for your state. All right. Let's go. Quit booing Kyler Murray. That's right. Well, I can boo him, but I, it's okay. <laughs> at Coyotes games. You can boo him at Cardinals games. Don't boo him at Coyotes Yeah, games. there you go. My, Michael Benjamin, what about you? Well, I can't believe I'm finally going to say it, but welcome to the Red Sea, Chris. It took a long time, hey. but I think we'll finally Attaboy. bring him into the family. But I just have three things to say, man. He's no spring chicken. Chomping at the bits. I'm chomping at the bit. And not too high, not too low. <laughs> and I'm not too high. And I'm not too low. Appreciate all y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for the support. I appreciate you both coming out here to the Valley Sports Plug Studios. We're going to keep doing the Heat Check Podcast recording once a month. You can, of course, check out the Heat Check Podcast live, past the outlet, Valley Sports Plug Roundtable, and so much more over on our YouTube channel. If you've make it, made it this far in the episode, you know where you can find us. Valley Sports Plug on YouTube and Facebook, at AZ underscore VSP on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My name is Chris Patrick. For Michael Benjamin and VSP Thomas, we'll see you next time.